Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson with Dr. Jim Carlson. We're at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in McHenry, Illinois. Um, so we have a group. It is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. We'd love to have you join. We have tons of questions today from some of our um, followers, and we're going to go through those with you today, answer what we can. Um, a lot of people who, you know, just don't have access to a holistic vet or just need some help or a helping hand to get to where they want to be. So that's what we're doing. Um, we're all about that. We'll help you out any way we can and um, no problem there. So uh, we will be doing that uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes. We have a big surge in back problems that has come on and uh, it, it's been recent. And of course, does this have anything to do with the um, weather changing perhaps? Definitely. Uh, anytime. Is it just because it's cold? Well, cold and hot, especially the combination of hot, damp, and cold damp. When it's damp outside in the combination of heat and cold, some dogs are very susceptible to this, especially shorter-coated breeds. Now, what we saw an upsurge is once we started to have this, this kind of fogginess, a uh, lot of moisture in the air, uh, kind of temperate uh, temperatures for this time of year, get some melting, uh, there's dogs who are very sensitive to that. And when they already have an, an excess amount of damp in the body, which means they have extra moisture in the system, is that just like uh, anything else, the, the moisture can bring on cold much easier, bring on hot much easier. It tends to attack the area of the back, usually in the midsection of the back, uh, around the T13 L1 lumbar vertebrae. Uh, okay. What happens is that uh, you get a, an inflammation and then you get contractibility of those muscles and it causes the muscle spasm. Now, that causes stagnation, which equals pain because we're not getting nerve flow through there. We're not getting blood flow very well through there. Uh, the muscles are starting to fatigue because they're, they start off shivering uh, to try to compensate for the cold. And then the second thing that happens is those muscles wear out. And it's just like working a muscle too hard to get too much lactic acid buildup. And that causes pain and inflammation because when you go to ask that muscle to flex again, it can't do it. And uh, the, the discomfort ensues. Now, that's what they call stage one. And there's five stages of uh, back issues, intervertebral disc disease, spondylitis, spondylosis. And that can be any one of those. But as the pets progress down, there can be pain with loss of movement. So sometimes you start dragging their feet a little bit. Um, the third one is that there's a significant amount of paresis or, or loss of function to the front legs and back legs. Um, and then the fourth and fifth is we're losing function to either the front limbs or back limbs as that condition uh, progresses. And not every dog will present and progress. They can sometimes just stay at the first one, which is the easiest thing to treat is just give them something for pain. But if we start to have loss of function of the limbs, then we have to consider other options to try to move that through. 
Now, more Western medicine would say, well, uh, you can consider gabapentin, which is a medication to help reduce inflammation in the spinal column. Uh, also, methocarbamol, which is a muscle relaxer. It helps to relax the muscles, so it, it, it reduces the fatigue. Um, it can be short-lived, though, and some pets will not respond to medi that medication alone. Integrating uh, what I like to use as Chinese medicine because we can incorporate acupuncture uh, to move the stagnation, to move the blood, to move the nerve, nerves so we get good contact between the front and the back of the body. Uh, also using Chinese herbs along with that because acupuncture alone may not be sufficient. Uh, I like to use a product called Double P2. Okay. Um, and it also helps to reduce uh, pain and stagnation as well. So we have um, shared our screen here uh, for those of you who are joining us on Zoom. And there's an interesting um, x-ray here of a dog that has a particular back problem. When you see it, you just go, oh, that looks like it hurts so bad. So what you were seeing here, is there a natural curve in the back that goes like from the neck area up through the upper back, but this looks very um, painful <laughs> for one thing. There's a lot of separation between the vertebrae and that ridge seems um, very locked in and very like pointed. Right. Am and I that, seeing that right? Right. And it okay. can be a condition called lordosis where you get right in the middle midsection. We can see the highest point of the vertebrae and you're mm -hmm. right, it's pointed. And then it starts to kind of almost curve the lumbar muscles, which are behind that. Down mm -hmm. towards the uh, the sacral vertebrae. Now, uh, this image we we see a little bit excess brightness in in that area and uh, next to the sacrum, so we can't see the the bone imaging as well. Uh, but though they had a condition in which there was actually a bony change called spondylosis deformans going on. Okay. And so that means there's a, a extreme amount of instability in those two areas. All right. And the body's trying to compensate for that to create more stability. Hmm. Uh, this is a, a classic case of one of those that had more of a stage four problem, lost function of the back legs. Okay. And, uh, you know, so that, but there was more mechanical. And once you see the mechanical changes, unfortunately, the best prognosis for that is either consider surgery, depending on the age of the pet. And then, um, and then also supportive care, maybe a wheelchair or something like that mm -hmm. until the inflammation can calm down. <clears throat> So some pets and their owners, you know, they'll come in thinking, hey, just wrenched his back or there's, you know, no need to do an x-ray. I don't want to do that. Um, but in this case, and probably a lot of cases like it, it's more than just like a muscle pain. Right. More than just a, a wrench back. Like you said, it's uh, there's usually something more significant going on. It's been going on for a while. So it, it seems like, well, it just happened yesterday, but at the same time, the problem's been building up over time. And then you get the perfect storm, cold, damp weather, slippery conditions. Pretty soon uh, we have a pet that's, that's not using their, their legs very well. Mm -hmm. um, probably one of the most effective ways to know for sure is using imaging, MRI, uh, and also CAT scan, which, you know, it, it's a more expensive way to do it. But if you can afford it, it's better to know where the lesions are specifically and then the neurologist can look at that and say, you know, do we need to go to surgery to relieve spinal cord pressure uh, before the, the spinal cord actually can become damaged? Mm -hmm. um, but, it, you know, it's too so we have an article go. actually about that um, on our blog post that we, you know, kind of highlighted all the cases that we've done of, 
you know, paralysis or cases like this are pretty good for holistic medicine. Mm -hmm. um, you should always maybe talk to a surgeon first, see what they say about surgery and, and your chances of getting your dog better through that. Mm -hmm. But you can always try holistic medicine as well. What did you do in this case? In this case, we incorporated a couple of things, double feed two and acupuncture in order to there again, like I said earlier, is to alleviate uh, the tightness in the midsection and the lower part of the limbs, uh, which did give this pup some relief. Um, and uh, being an older puppy or older dog, I should say, um, unfortunately with the mechanical changes, we're just trying to keep things a status quo, keep the dog up and moving, try to stay functional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And holistic medicine is really good for stuff like that. So those can uh, work out really, really well for that. Um, so also, um, you know, be careful with yourself when you're, <laughs> when you're outside because, uh, you know, training is, is one good way of looking at staying safe in the winter as far as dogs are concerned because a lot of people do unfortunately end up falling from dogs who, you know, just maybe take off on the ice, run into them. That's a big common thing. I think that happened to you <laughs> not yeah. that long ago. Right. <laughs> that was a great video. I got to pull that one out. <laughs> he fell down and then, um, well, one of the dogs hit him in the knees. He falls down, he flips over and then they're all running around him in a ring around and rosy around him yeah, <laughs> in a circle. Like it's the funniest <laughs> thing that ever happened in the whole wide world. Dogs have a sense of humor. Too, they they sure, sure do. So everybody be careful in the ice and snow. It's been a crazy icy rime ice, hoarfrost, whatever you want to call it has been going on here. So it's absolutely gorgeous. Everything looks like a Dr. Seuss um, kind of, character out there uh, like Dr. Seuss drew it himself. So it's yeah. very, very pretty out here right now. Um, the FDA is alerting the public to certain lots of sports mix pet food. It's been recalled for potentially fatal levels of aflatoxin. Aflatoxin is a toxin produced by the mold Aspergillus flavus. I hope I said that right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it can grow on corn and other grains as used in ingredients in pet foods. And at high levels, aflatoxin can cause illness and death in pets. This isn't the first time this has happened. This happened in some, wasn't it Chinese made dog food a long time ago? Well, it was um, in the last 20 years that were imported uh, from yes. that area. And, um, you know, we have the highest level of the FDA is an excellent uh, group in our country that, um, scrutinizes heavily over contaminated products in the U.S. and making sure that we have a safe uh, food for ourselves and our animals as well. Um, sometimes when we're importing products because of product shortage for some reason or things like that, um, other countries may not have the same strict standards. So sometimes contaminants can come in uh, to play. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you can't see it. You know, it, dog food looks like dog food. And when there's toxins in there, uh, unfortunately, after the pet's been eating it for either a short period of time or longer period of time, we start to see the side effects. Uh, when there's a larger percentage of dogs that um, are on similar foods, uh, they do uh, consider a recall because they wonder, okay, so what was the exact problem? This was an American-made um, food manufactured by Midwest Pet Foods. I believe they're out of Evansville, Indiana. It doesn't say in here where the corn or grain or whatever product the aflatoxin was on. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say um, where that came from. I don't know if it's imported or not. Um, but pets experiencing aflatoxin poisoning may have symptoms such as sluggishness, loss of appetite, vomiting, jaundice, which is that yellowish tint you get in the eyes or the gums, 
due to liver damage and possibly some diarrhea. In severe cases, this toxicity can be fatal. So they've had 28 deaths and eight illnesses in dogs that ate this recalled product. It's called Sport Mix Pet Food. So if you have any of that hanging around your house, you better get rid of it. Um, They do manufacture a lot of other pet food there, including Earthborn Holistics. Um, However, Midwestern Pet Food has recalled everything trying to clear up this problem. So um, just something to be aware of in case you're feeding that kind of a dog food product. Okay. Okay. So um, it turns out... Royal Canin, which is a veterinary-based diet. They carry a really good veterinary-based product. And then they also carry, um, you know, products that you can buy over-the-counter for dogs uh, and cats as well. Um, We use them. We've used them on our pregnant cat, her baby kittens. They have a great kitty moose. Anyway, they... um, make a good quality product. That's your good basic dog food and a lot of veterinary diets. And they did a survey because, you know, so many people have adopted or taken in animals or just, um, you know, been dealing with a new kitten or puppy. And they did a survey on the first year of pet ownership and people say that is the hardest. So it's just sort of like the first year of parenthood, in my opinion, yeah, <laughs> definitely the hardest. You got to get used to a few things. It says here, It takes three months and 23 days to finally get the hang of things with a new pet. Uh, 73% of the respondents bonded more with their pet in the first year than any other. There was especially true for respondents who adopted a puppy or a kitten. And how can you help it? But you totally want to bond with them in their first year. What do pet owners believe are the most important decisions in the first year? And the number one was how to train their pet. So making sure their pet is trained and they understand what they're supposed to do. Second, uh, pretty close behind uh, the first one was what to feed their pet, 40%. What kind of feeding schedule their pet should be on? What tricks to teach their pet? Those are always really fun. And what rules their pet should have. So um, that sort of like goes along the line with training. It does. That's kind of the first step is, you know, get them used to the world and, and uh, get them used to your schedule as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we um, have kind of looked and had a lot of requests here for training. So we're going to start dog training classes. We're going to start a puppy class because of COVID. We're not going to like bundle it into like a big package or anything. We're just going to do a drop-in class. So you can come like, when you can. So if you can come every time, that's fantastic. Um, And obviously we would want you to do that, but we don't want to like tie you down to a class that you should come to, but you're maybe have some symptoms or something, somebody's gotten sick, that kind of thing. So, so we're just doing it in a drop-in basis. It starts January 19th here at the Riverside Animal Clinic Healthy Pet Lifestyle Campus. Um, It's going to be in our indoor dog park and they start at 5.30 on Tuesdays. Our trainer is... um, Adria Maxa, she is from Better Bond Dog Training. And Adria is, um, she's got four of these fantastic dogs and she loves to do photography. So if you ever want to check out her Facebook page, it's super cute. Her dogs do all these cute little tricks and they're really adorable. So I'm sure she'll be bringing those in with us. Um, She's done so many different things. She's a certified um, canine good citizen evaluator. She's completed the AKC Star Puppy Class. Um, And we'll be holding those star puppy classes at some point, you know, kind of maybe after things are, you know, doing better with the COVID crisis and everything. So this class just drop in. All you have to do, it's at 530 on Tuesday, starting um, in another like week. Right. How exciting. Yeah, it'll be fun. So AKC star puppy classes. So um, 
you've had some interesting cases this week. We One have. you just had right before you walked in here and sat down to do this show. Tell us about that. Well, it's it's a it's an interesting condition in puppies. Usually, the uh, short-coated breeds, uh, especially the bulldogs, um, the little pit bull terriers, uh, get a condition uh, less than a year of age um, in which they have patchy hair loss. It doesn't itch like mange. Mange is a very itchy condition uh, with hair loss in young dogs, but uh, what happens is that the um, the hair loss is related to a non-itchy condition. It's, it can be in just one small area, a small circular area, or it can affect a large percentage of the skin. In this case, probably 20% of the skin was affected. Um, Demodex is a normal mite on the skin. It's transferred from the mother dog to the puppy. Hmm. Um, the puppy's immune system typically controls it so it doesn't become a problem. But if they're growing really fast, if they're... Uh, their immune system sometimes get, gets behind the mite and the mite can overtake or colonize a certain area of the skin. Um, it is self-limiting. Obviously, as the pet is growing, the immune system catches up. But there are some cases where certain uh, therapies can be helpful. Uh, in more severe cases, a, a medications like ivermectin can be incorporated because it does help to suppress the mite. Uh, fortunately, there's a couple of good products like Revolution, uh, Sentinel, um, these are normal heartworm preventions and parasite preventions, mm-hmm. but they work pretty well on uh, managing the mine as well. So some people just don't want to use chemicals on their pet. They're kind of like think that, you know, flea and tech medications are toxic. We did write that up in a blog for you. It's on RiversideAnimalClinic.net. Um, so our blog post, you know, kind of talks about should I use a chemical or should I not? Is there anything that you can do for your dog if they have Demodex mange? Well, the first thing is... That's, um, that's not chemically, that's I should not say. Chemical. Yeah, we also incorporated an immune support for this puppy. So I like the Matrix product, Turkey Tail Mushroom, uh, which that combination is a great immune support. It helps to target inflammation. You know, uh, So we started this puppy on a, a half a teaspoon twice a day for three weeks and then just once a day. And so, uh, and then incorporating uh, the normal... Uh, you know, he was already on Sentinel for uh, mm-hmm. parasite protection. And so what happens then is that, um, you know, we're hoping in the next three weeks, we're going to see a good response. Sometimes it can take a few months to get it under control. Uh, but the puppy is otherwise healthy, you know, a healthy growing puppy went from seven pounds already up to 28 pounds. So, but Demodex can't be fixed with just a regular herbal medication or anything, right? Not really. Um, the uh, If there's some dampness or inflammation there, we can consider damp heat skin. We can consider um, Wei Chi Booster. These are uh, prescription herbs. If the condition becomes worse and the puppy is not is uncomfortable. I've seen uh, some severe cases of Demodex in which uh, there's a lot of weepy uh, irritations mm-hmm. and things like that, which yeah, then you have really to incorporate harsher medications. Um but prescription herbs work very well as secondary conditions. Sometimes if it's real severe, we have to consider antibiotics to get ahead of it. Oh, okay. All right. So Demodex mange. Okay. So there's that, that is kind of basically your traditional veterinary medicine right. category. Okay. You can do some other things, but right. you're probably going to need a vet for that. For sure. Okay. All right. So no lavender castile shampoo, no peppermint, no. 
No, because it, you know, the, the skin is, uh, it, it looks like just bare skin with no hair on it. So uh, sometimes if you're using topicals or, or essential oils and things like that, sometimes it can be very irritating to the skin uh, because it's, you know, it's, it's, it is susceptible because it doesn't have the hair covering on it. Okay. All right. So on to our listener questions today. We have quite a number of them. So quite a few things to talk about here. Okay. So uh, this person says, I just got back from a new vet who recommended Science Diet DD for my cat. We're on a fixed budget and I can't afford $8 to $11 per pound. What are some reasonable options, please? Well, DD is being a prescription diet is obviously, um, it's a derm diet or dermatology diet. And so what happens is that uh, we are looking for novel proteins. So you can consider a fresh food diet in which you make the food a little bit less um, expensive than buying prescription foods. Uh, you can consider even uh, like Farmina, uh, which Farmina is, has a little higher price point, but at the same time you're feeding less because it's it's a, a novel protein. It's a novel method. Of, it's like a single ingredient food. Too. Right. Single ingredient food. So those are the things that you're looking for. Unfortunately, a diet alone may not be enough, but at the same time, using the best diet uh, is going to be number one because uh, going to lesser diets that are, have more processing, uh, it's not necessarily going to help the condition. So um, using the diet first, Spending the most on the food up front uh, is really important because uh, without it, then you're going on to other medications, which can be more expensive as well. Okay. All right. Um, The owner says she has symmetrical psychogenic alopecia. What is that? Well, symmetrical psychogenic alopecia is uh, more of a behavior than a skin condition. But what happens uh, in Chinese medicine, they call it a shen disturbance. It means that the patient is acting strangely, obviously grooming themselves or over-grooming in certain areas of the body. Um, in this case, it seems to be on the same side. Uh, it, the amitriptyline that the cat was prescribed uh, is designed to try to break that focus. So uh, It's like an obsession. It's an obsession. Okay. And the idea is they, they must feel something there. There has to be heat. There has to be maybe pins and needles feeling. Um, it also over time after that, it can become a, a true behavior in which it's actually soothing for them to do it. So um, more complex case than a standard dermatologic issue like an allergy, because uh, oftentimes it's not an allergy at all. I think in earlier shows, we talked about other reasons for dermatitis. This would be one of those. It's a neurologic reason so for the skin condition. So she says there's constant grooming, hair missing on a few toes and the booty, Um Neck full of scabs, scabs in front of the ears, hair missing uh, and, or hair coming out in clumps and no hairballs besides the missing hair. So in spite of the fact that there's hair all over the place, it, no hairballs, which is uh, interesting. Right. Um, normal eating, lack of drinking and change of urination and litter pan. Oh, that one is always a marker for something. Right. Definitely stress component because uh, stress is probably the number one cause that a cat would stop using the litter pan uh, so something's bothering this kitty in the environment. Um, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, it's, it's not your care, but because cats mm-hmm. seem to view stress much differently than we do. We think that they got a nice loving environment. Why would they be stressed out? You'd right. be surprised. So um, I love SRT analysis for this because we want to get into the bio region, the bioenergetics to try to find out 
what is the sensory information coming in? How does it being processed? You know, is there some chronic thing, even as an early kitten that set this off later on? Mm -hmm. So I would definitely start with SRT on this one. Yes, definitely. Also hogging the heating vents, staying in front of the fridge and just stays in two rooms. You know, one of the things that, that I remember on one of the, on a lot of cat SRTs is um, exposure to fossil fuels Mm -hmm. in the home. So if you have natural gas or some sort of exposure like that, I feel like there are a lot of cats who start doing this stuff um, as a result of a fossil fuel exposure. Right, especially in the winter time because we we tend to close things up in this region. Mm -hmm. Uh, You may not see that as much in the southern states where it's warmer, especially Arizona, uh, where you would less likely to have that those similar exposures so we do have to consider that and it's often not thought of because said well we got a healthy household we keep the temperature perfect everything like that but there are some cats and dogs even ourselves that are sensitive to that because our gene expression expresses it in such a way that it's going to show symptoms Mm -hmm. okay so and if we can help the the patient balance to that then they can be exposed to those things and actually process them more appropriately. Like we one time had a German shepherd and he had a, he would just kept licking and licking and licking part of his leg. This went on and on. They've been everywhere. They've been to dermatologists. They've been everywhere to try to fix this with this dog. And the SRT analysis showed it was fossil fuel exposure for this animal. And the interesting part about that is that they were, his cage was outside in the garage mm-hmm. and they would start the car back out every day and shut the garage door. So really they were kind of exposing him to that. They also grilled a lot of food, mm-hmm. used a gas grill for their food. So it was just kind of um, an interesting case. And I don't know, that one always kind of sticks in my mind, especially with cats. Right. And it, and it can, especially the chronic cases where we see that, you know, where it's just not clearing up because it's the exposure, the, the continual exposure to something that's noxious to them. Unfortunately, what happens is that even though you're treating it, um, it it's, it's going around in circles because the exposure is still there. So we're trying to get to the root of the problem. We can control it to a certain extent with medications, but over time, if continual exposure is going to override the therapy, especially if they're on, um, you know, products like steroids or, or, uh, other antihistamines or anti-inflammatories, mm-hmm. it's just going to, you know, break the cycle for a little bit. But unfortunately, over time, it's going to uh, not work very well. All right. So for this particular animal, you're recommending maybe some kind of raw food or a lowered ingredient cat food that's maybe more affordable. Um, we do like Farmina for cats because we've had personal success with that. Nature's Logic, I think, uh, could be a good food for you as well. And then even from might uh, work out pretty well for you. Just uh, watch how many ingredients. If you're in the area, we're actually doing a BOGO <laughs> mm-hmm. on our on our from Avengers uh, Farmina cat foods right now. So BOGO 50%. But right. anyway, um, I hope that really helps you. It's a lot. You've got a, dog, a cat with a lot of issues. So I'm really hoping that, you know, we found a way to help you with that. Right. So we have a lot of other things coming up today and a lot of you know, more questions. Uh, One about colloidal silver. Are we into it or not? Uh, Laura wants to know. So we'll tell you about that. And 
do a little demonstration, maybe with colloidal silver as well. Also, do I need to be concerned if my dog's breaths per minute are at 38? We got that message over the weekend. And struggling with food concerns again for my kitties, four senior kitties, one had bladder surgery due to stones, one diagnosed with stage two kidney disease. So she's kind of like, what am I going to do now? And how do I feed all of these cats with so many different um, issues? So we have that coming up as well. Um, so we'll get to all those questions when we come back. And then also um, we're going to talk about some attributes people want, um, the, you know, the new kind of pet owner wants from uh their uh, new pet foods and also from their pet treats as well. So we'll be coming up uh, back here in just a couple of minutes here on Voice America. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. 
Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. We're joined by our daughter, Avery, who's been grooming for us. She is a medical groomer for our clinic. Um, We've added ozone therapy. So it's kind of a new therapy that um, people are using in clinics uh, across America, actually. So we're not the first to do it or anything. Um, But ozone therapy breaks up a lot of different things inside um, an animal's skin tissue. So explain that to me, Jim. Well, we think the skin is actually like a large lung Mm -hmm. because it has to breathe. Uh, It has pores. Um, it, it, the, uh, the surface oils that are normal and healthy are there to protect the, the skin from moisture. So, the, uh, it, so it's waterproof, for example. At the same time, it, the, uh, the, the bio layer that's healthy is protecting against outside toxins mm-hmm. and other things. So ozone therapy helps to break that up because over time, the, the residue can become electrically charged and it can stick to it. Okay, and so what happens is that once you get a buildup, that's when we send her over to Avery. Okay, so Avery, what do you do as far as your ozone therapy goes? So um, the way that I do the ozone therapy, is, do I need to lean forward? You can lean okay, forward. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so the way I do the ozone therapy is I'll run a bath um, with little dogs. I put them in a tub. For big dogs, I fill up the whole tank, fill that up with ozone water. Um, then we add our herbs, um, different solutions whatever it's we kind of customized add. per pet so mm-hmm. we decide Very that customized. ahead of time like you kind of decide that and kind of know what you're yeah. going to do he kind of does either an assessment during the exam or right before they come in and says okay so they need this this and this and this shampoo so they sit in the tub for 20 to 30 minutes um or however long they can stand it some dogs um, can only stand 15 minutes or they want out and that's okay too as long as they come into contact with the water and then mm-hmm. after that drain the tub and then they get a nice customized medicated shampoo for them and a good blow dry and some brushing <laughs> oh, and they like it too <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah you probably find that most dogs really enjoy that therapy right i mean they after do. they get out of the tub and they've they've got the, all that residue off their skin they they start to do a little happy dance. Yeah, I have one dog that actually falls asleep in the tub. Yeah. <laughs> he has to have his own little pillow on the side of the tank. It's yeah. kind of surprising. It's a small room. And, you know, so you think a grooming situation in a small room is probably going to smell. But it does sometimes with certain dogs with like that yeasty skin smell that's just mm. terrible. Um, they'll go back there and you're in there and you're like, whoa, this really is bad. And Thank then, God for masks. <laughs> it doesn't take long, though, before that smell, you go in there. 20, 30 minutes later, it's completely gone. It is, for sure. So you have a lot of repeats because uh, they want to keep their dog nice and clean. For sure. um, I get a lot of people who want to get rid of the Frito feet smell. Mm -hmm. Um, So they'll come in and get a soak every month. Just for the Frito feet. Yep. Yeah. So what's Frito's feet caused by? Well, yeast. That's when you you smell that funky smell, uh, like old sweat socks. Mm. Um, like you mentioned, it smells like Fritos sometimes, you know, yeah. and, um, and definitely yeast. Uh, it's moisture buildup around the feet. It's like athlete's foot. Does it um, get like in between their paws or something? Their right. Paw pads? In, the, in the cuticles, in the nail beds, um, the, uh, the paw pads, in the fur. Um, and it's and usually the dogs that has so many um, that, that tend to be a heavier dog have a tendency to reduce circulation. So. Oh. Uh, anytime you have circulation reduction, you're going to have moisture and yeast love that. They go, wow, that's great. It's warm. It has food and moisture. It's a great place for that. A normal commensal yeast has to live on the skin. 
can take over and start to colonize. Oh, really? So it doesn't come yeah. from outer space or anything. It's already on the skin. Oh, okay. It just makes it worse. It just makes it worse because then uh, the the flow of lymphatic fluid through there has been compromised and it sets up a nice little culture for different organisms okay. uh, that are already on there to colonize it. All right. What else do you have, Avery? Um, so I have a couple of reasons why grooming is essential. Um, tends yeah. to be over. It tends to be overlooked by a lot of people. Um, just because they think, oh, as long as my dog's healthy. Um, what people don't realize is that when a dog is properly groomed, it helps the vet to be able to examine them. Um, a vet can't really assess your dog if for growth, skin issues, um, any masses of any sort, if they're covered in mats or they really, really thick mm-hmm. hair, or they're really dirty. Um, and then well, as he was saying that the skin is like a lung, like it needs to breathe. Um, it can't do that if they're matted. Um, they also have no really full range of motion if they're severely matted. Yeah, some of them can't even see. Yeah. Sometimes you get, right. I mean, it's not even that unusual. It does happen. I get yeah. a lot of dogs too. Um, if their paw pad hair is really, really hairy or matted, they can actually slip and fall mm-hmm. because they have no traction to walk on. Um, and also groomers can actually, when they're grooming the dog, and I've done it several times, they can actually detect growths, masses, any skin issues, ear infections. They can bring that to your attention so the dog can get properly. I mean, the first time you did a groom, um, we actually found something extremely serious. It was thrombocytopenia. Right. The dog was in, you know, not the greatest condition of uh, skin coat wise. And then I think her eyes, she couldn't really see or anything like that. And I don't know, the, the owner just said, I want my dog groomed. And it's like, all right, we can do that. So she did it. And then she started to uncover what looked like bruises all over the dog and, you know, got the dog's vision back and everything like that. And it was just like, you know, you see that and you're like, what is going on here? And it ended up being a pretty serious medical condition. Right. We often think that um, the the dogs don't need bathing or don't necessarily need grooming all Mm -hmm. that often. But there are certain breeds that do. But obviously, we can find some some disease process going on underneath those Mm -hmm. that heavy matting. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, because, you know, that dogs pick up all sorts of things, they're outside, they walk on their feet and then walk into the house, that kind of thing. I've noticed um, as I started getting my own dogs groomed, how much more appreciation I have for it now, that it's an appreciation I really didn't have before I did it myself. And then you, you know, you see your dog, and you're like, boy, you look so cute. Like, how adorable are you now? You know, right. you got a bow and you're cute and you're shiny and you smell all right. And um but I've noticed that I think, you know, and we've talked about this, maybe dogs who are coming in here for a surgery, some of them come in that have really not had a bath in a really long time. And we've actually thought about maybe requiring them to have a bath within 24 hours. It can definitely help because, uh, you know, the prepping process, we're actually using a scrub. So a surgical scrub and alcohol to clean the area that we're doing surgery on. But you'd be surprised how many you know, a standard scrub is three times with scrub, three times with alcohol. Sometimes you have to do it eight or 10 times because there's just so much residue on the mm-hmm. skin. Yeah. 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 So definitely something to think about and even just changing our own protocol now that we've gotten mm-hmm. into grooming. Thanks to you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I also job. definitely think I've gotten a lot more appreciation for all the groomers out there now that I've started grooming even yeah. my own dogs. <laughs> yeah. So I just sent a message to my senior dogs groomer. I said, Thank you for everything you've ever done. Because <laughs> yeah, right. I think tough. this was after the dog uh, 
decided to, she's 14 and she decided <laughs> to protest her grooming by laying on her side in the tub and not getting up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She won't get up at all. We should post that video. That was pretty funny. Was pretty yeah. so. so anyway, thanks for joining us today, Miss Avery Carlson. Thanks, Avery. We yep. appreciate it. You can just stay seated on your little um, soup turkey pot. soup pot <laughs> there. <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't have another chair for her today. <laughs> so. Anyway. All right. So, um, Along with our groomer questions now, not our groomer questions, but our uh, listener questions, Lala over the weekend uh, said she needed some help. She sent a message like Saturday night, I think it was, wanted to know she needed to be concerned if her dog's breathing was um, breaths per minute were at 38. Mm-hmm. So you actually told her just to go ahead and go to the ER. She took her 13-year-old Pomchi mix over there and um, she said uh, now, you know, things have kind of gotten under control, but the dog is sleeping a lot and seems kind of lethargic. And she wants to know if that's normal in winter. In certain cases, it can be, um, you know, dogs like cats uh, do sleep a lot versus, you know, they take dog naps during the day. Uh, most dogs should have a good night's sleep at night, but if there's broken sleep or they seem to be uh, napping intermittently, but not having a good rest, uh, that can be a concern. Um, if it affects their appetite, if they're sleeping you know, oversleeping through their meals, if they're not getting up to drink water and go to the bathroom, uh, that can be a sign. Uh, Cardiorespiratory issues uh, do wear the body out. So if the pet was going through something, uh, sometimes they need a little rest to recover and that mm-hmm. can be normal. Uh, but it shouldn't last more than say a week or so. Okay. Uh, after that, if it seems to be prolonged sleep, then we should probably take a look. Okay. All right. Laura wants to know, uh, she found a colloidal silver group for dogs on Facebook. Colloidal silver, yes or no? Love it. I mean, it has (laughs) a lot of medicinal purposes, um, especially as a good maintenance. Um, It can, it does have um, testimonials about treating disease and things like that. Um, I always, you know, err on the side of caution when the disease process is more severe, say it's a stage three problem, you do not want to use holistic care at first. You want to get the emergency under control. But if you have a pet that's eating and drinking, otherwise healthy, has a, a, some digestive upset or something like that, a skin problem, uh, you can definitely use colloidal silver. It's great as a maintenance. Uh, you just can't use it long-term every single day year round because uh, like any good thing, too much of a good thing can have uh, side effects as well. So Mm -hmm. pulsing the therapy, you know, the first say a week of each month for maintenance is great or just using a a very, like I would say a fourth of the standard dose uh, every day. It it would be something you can use. What do you use it for? I mean, we use it for, okay. So our dog Chorky, I was going to show it to you, but she's asleep now, so I don't want to wake her up. <laughs> and um, anyway, we use it in one of her eyes because she's kind of at the end stage of Panis. Um, and she gets this really nasty stuff all over her eye. It's like very dry. And uh, so we use colloidal silver and it just completely removes all of that and lets us put the Optimune in there. So, yeah, but every orifice of the, of the body, especially the head, it's a great place where we can use it. Uh, so uh, bad breath, inflammation in the mouth, uh, you can use it topically on the eye. Uh, you can use a little bit topically in the ear. Um, you can also use a, it, it as a mist, um, especially for cats that maybe have sinus allergies, uh, can be used as a, 
as a as a spritz for the nose, so they can breathe in some moisture that has colloidal mm. silver. Uh, wonderful topical for any type of lesion that has an infection, say a cut or bruise mm-hmm. or something like that. I heard about people putting it in their water dishes too. Yeah. Okay. And I call, yeah, it could be used because it's colorless, uh, odorless, really tasteless. I, I've used it and I, yeah, I don't really it didn't taste anything. Yeah, just like yeah. water. One guy did turn purple from it. That was a long time ago. So right. But he just, used it for it's years. Fine. I mean, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to happen to you. Pretty right. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, Laura. Yeah. Go into that group, get some info and then share it with everybody on her holistic vet advice page. Right. It's holistic vet advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. It's our Facebook group. So you can ask like any questions you have in there and we'll uh, let you know what we think and how uh, we can help you. Okay. Um, Another question. I'm struggling with food concerns with my kitties. I have four senior kitties. One recently had bladder surgery due to stones. One was recently diagnosed with stage two kidney disease. I'm in the process of changing vets and I have an appointment with a holistic vet next week. Mm-hmm. My issue is that my kitty with a bladder issues is not at all excited to eat the prescription food and I can't blame her. <laughs> um, this is actually pretty common. So we've had a couple of questions about this. Um, I'm wanting to switch her to raw food, but how do I get her to transition when she isn't liking or eating the other food to help with um, all of that? She's clearly hungry, wants to eat. I look at the prescription ingredients and wouldn't have fed them to her to begin with. So she doesn't want to feed her something wrong and cause her stones to return. So she's not sure what to do. And the food stress is causing chaos for all the cats in the household. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, multi-cat households are, are a challenge, especially when you have one patient that needs uh, has special needs and the other ones don't. For example, it's hard to, to separate feed all of them because they do love to eat as a colony. They don't want to eat separately. Um, Prescription diets uh, can be have taste issues or palatability issues mm-hmm. because it is medicine as well. And uh, but if we're going to be moving over to fresh food, it's sort of like between a cornfield that's going to become a soybean field. Two different plants, two different nutrients. So that's um, not apples for apples. You can't just quit cold turkey and just give them raw food because the microbiome of the gut has to transform, uh, especially if they're uh, been on dry food for a long period of time. Also, um, it does take a little bit to transform because the gut flora likes to have dry food. And so some cats crave dry food, they won't eat it, uh, moist food. But um, as canned food is a good place to start at first, going from dry to a wet formula, and then gradually moving over to a fresh cooked formula and then maybe moving over to raw just a slow transition about once a week slowly adding new nutrition Um, you can never go wrong with fresh food as even as uh, with cats and dogs who have health issues because the extra protein and moisture the body is not drawing in too much processed contaminants and things like that Uh, so it can be very beneficial for uh, dogs and cats who who have kidney issues, liver issues, or any issue really, for that matter. So okay, all right, yeah, it's um, causes nausea too, doesn't it, to transition from a dry and a wet cat food in a in a cat? Yeah, because uh, the the microbiome communicates two to three times as much with the brain than the brain communicates with it. So it's at, at first when we're introducing something, the brain says, hey, that's okay. The stomach says, hey, that's okay. And the gut says, no, I'm not ready for that. I can't really digest that. So it's important to go slow. Um, 
like we do for our cats at home, if we're introducing a little bit of raw, it's just small little hamburger meatballs. You know, just drop one or two as a treat, slowly introduce them so their their body recognizes, okay, that's that's food, I can eat that. Mm-hmm. But it also tells you how palatable, so you're not uh, going to the expense of buying a lot of food and then they won't eat it. So I know that there is a concentrated crystal stone formula mm-hmm. um, and that it's a prescription though. It's a prescription herb. So that's, you know, you can't just like, you know, go pick it up off the shelf or something. Right. So can you use that instead of feeding like this science diet or the Royal Canin SO or something or not? Definitely. You can use holistic medicine as an alternative to traditional care. A lot of of more traditional remedies or more conventional therapy does use diets, prescription diets, as a way of doing that. But you also have to look at the pattern. Pattern diagnosis is important in Chinese medicine. That's what I practice. And uh, along with, uh, you know, more conventional medicine as well. So we have to look at the pattern. A lot of urinary problems are called damp heat uh, in the lower jaw, which means the accumulation of dampness and heat creates inflammation. So crystal stone formula, uh, damp heat for the lower jaw. Uh, these are a couple of remedies, uh, prescription herbs that can be used short term to help to alleviate and balance the body. The body's just out of balance. So you, okay. excuse me, you can either control it or you can balance it. All right. So I've got a couple of um, interesting kind of like studies and articles from uh, the news here. Simple attributes owners want from premium dog foods. Okay. So as you can probably imagine, you're paying high quality money for high quality foods. And um, people are generally looking and they're kind of, you know, starting to understand that putting extra money into your dog's diet is actually beneficial in the long run. There's a trade-off. You're getting something out of it. Right. right. Okay. Sure. So better for better for that. Um, so people are looking to um, find like new recipes, formulations, quality ingredients. They're really starting to read labels when it comes to pet food. And I think they mm-hmm. have been for quite some time, but more now than ever. I'm looking for where meats are sourced, what kind of meats they are. Are they meals? So and where is all of this actually made? Uh, so they're looking for, turns out, American-made food and American-made treats in this article that uh, we have here. Um, so the new and interesting kinds of things that include, you know, antioxidants. What do you find in practice people are looking for when it comes to pet food? Well, they, they want, first of all, to look to a lot of questions about how can I feed a less processed food? Um, so going to more natural uh, ingredients, um, trying to feed cats like the, what I call the mouse model, trying to feed dogs like a wolf model. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just interested in it because there's, they, there's some frustration with the processed food. And uh, so they're just looking for ways to keep their pet healthier. Um, they may choose that lifestyle themselves. A lot of folks that come in uh, for holistic care actually pro- Uh, you know, practice holistic medicine themselves, natural diet, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They just want to incorporate that into their pets' lives as well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I think- And they know it'll it'll help them when it comes to vet bills later. Right. In the future. So um, a higher quality pet food. Um, And one made in America, one made with, you know, superfoods and the additives that we're all looking for to, you know, be and feel healthier. Mm -hmm. Those are all the things uh, it turns out- uh, 
uh, pet owners um, are looking for in uh, this particular poll from Pet Product News. Um, Also, the factors driving dog treats and chew sales. Again, looking at something supernatural and something made in America. So when you're out shopping, what are what do you think? Like, are your concerns that this is uh, the most natural thing my pet could eat? Uh, or is your biggest concern that it's made in America? Uh, so we know we have the you know ruling of the FDA and everybody else who's um, in charge of dealing with that, the USDA, um, that they're certified ingredients and um, made to feel confident about what you're giving your pet. I mean, look at the aflatoxin. That was made in America, but... You know, things happen uh, with, with pet food ingredients all the time. It's just unfortunate, 28 deaths uh, revolving that. So re- revolving around that, but that was a very cheap um, dog food called sport mix. Right. And, and um, you're not going to find that in a Farmina food, I'm pretty sure. For sure. The, uh, you know, going to something that's as natural as possible at the same time is, is being proactive, looking at the ingredients, going, does this make sense for my pet? Talking to your veterinarian, making sure that if there is questions about nutrition. Also, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, different groups like holistic uh, medicine groups that you can uh, ask questions on as well, because there's a lot of great information out there. Okay. All right. Good. So we do carry a lot of different um, options and choose. We try to keep them high quality and as local as possible. So we carry the Jones Naturals. Those are made in Rockford. Mm -hmm. Um, They have, you know, I mean, a tremendous selection. So we carry just, you know, like a lot of their bones and stuff, which are really nice. Our dogs love them. We also carry some of the natural frozen products here, which I think are also really good. Um, Dogs love those as well. Um, They're so it's like a raw frozen bone. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good deal. You get quite a number of them in the package for $9.99. So those not too bad. Um, And then a lot of different other frozen varieties of chews, are really nice as well as the Northwest Naturals. Yeah, food Cheese is bites and yeah, it is. Even the snacks. So yeah, starting with that's your base. <laughs> that's why you the know? rest of us have to lay off of them, right? <laughs> you are what you eat, and that's true for animals as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, have a great day, everybody. Keep uh, the questions coming. We're happy to try to help you out. Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson is our Facebook group. See you soon. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.